The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Just before I came on, I was eating some kale chips that I made for Hadley to take take for lunch. Yeah. And I and I sort of like half ate and inhaled one and I was like, I was totally coughing and I'm thinking, oh, oh that, okay, well, that'd be funny. Serves you right uh, for eating she'll, kale. She'll be, I, that, I knew you were going to say that. Here she is. She's trying to do, trying to do the the podcast she's just ate some kale chips and it's still stuck in her throat so you know you've heard people say as soon as you sneeze you have to go allergies as you're sneezing so yes. people don't, pay, don't think you have covid, COVID well yeah. now now i have to cough and go kale chip <laughs> kale chip <laughs> <laughs> a special isolation edition of Eat This with Leanne. Here's Leanne Philipson. Being the most complicated organism in the universe, it holds all the power of our body and allows us to speak, allows us to imagine and problem solve. It controls our body temperature, our blood pressure, our heart rate and our breathing. It accepts floods of information about the world around us through hearing, seeing, smelling, taste, and touch. It lets you think, dream, reason, and experience emotions. Every physical movement from rubbing your eye to blinking to walking and talking is run through this incredible organ that weighs a mere three pounds, contains a hundred billion neurons, and it has enough of an electrical charge going through it to power a light bulb. All of this small but mighty size that's comparable to a small cauliflower. It's the fattiest organ and has about 60% fat in it. And of the total blood oxygen that's produced in our body, go on, take a deep breath and fuel your brain because 20% of the blood and the oxygen, or actually I guess it's just the oxygen, goes straight to your brain. Of course, I'm talking about the brain. I mean, my gosh, it's like our computer. It's like our central hub. It's absolutely everything. Now, brain information travels up to an impressive, ready for this, 268 miles per hour. That's also 4.5 miles a minute or 393 feet a second. Okay, sidebar, that's 430 kilometers per hour for us Canadians or other metric people. This information highway goes at the same speed as the world's fastest car, the Bugatti Veyron. I hope I said that right, because I, you know, just lost points, cool points for not saying that right if I didn't say it, but holy smokes, what a car. And yeah, it's pretty cool. So with all that said, why, why, oh why, when you walk from the counter all the way over to the fridge, you know, those like five paces or so, you open the door and you look inside, you cannot recall or remember why on earth you're there. I know why that is. I know exactly why that is. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why? Well, because your most of your brain is actually people don't know this, but most of your brain is actually in your butt. So when you're sitting there on the couch and you go, you know what I want? I want something out of the fridge. You pop off the couch, you walk over to the fridge, you open the door and you go, oh, what was it I wanted? And you don't remember, right? You can't remember until you go no. back in. And as soon as you sit down, as soon as your butt hits the couch, you go, oh yeah, that was it. And you pop back up. So that proves your brain's in your butt. It's not that I don't understand your perspective. It's just that your perspective is dumb. No. Well, I'm I, not gonna be able to speak now. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't there at uh, anatomy class. I, I missed that one. Science, <laughs> science, health, and anatomy, according to Chris. I like that a lot. Because how many times does that happen? A right? Lot. Like, yeah. is it is it your memory? Like, what is it that vanishes with those steps? Because sometimes, poof, it's just gone, and then you just you end up standing there like completely perspe- uh, perplexed. You're like uh, wondering also. Am I losing my mind? And then after that, you're like, oh, why did I come to the fridge again? <laughs> <laughs> so when the way the brain, now I got to put my teeth back in after laughing so much. <laughs> so when, when your brain is working at its best, it has clarity to it. We can remember short term and long term, right? There are some times that I know when I experience a fogginess, like a cloudy kind of murkiness to my thoughts and my feelings, and then even my actions. Then remembering all that needs to happen in a day, maybe what's on the grocery list, when to pick the kids up. And of course, before you even get there, where are the damn keys? Where did you put your phone and your wallet? And all of that can change in a moment. Today on Eat This with Leanne, my guest expert is, oh, she is a smart cookie in the area of brain health. Her name is Dr. Paula Rochelle. She's a naturopathic doctor. And as long as I can remember to ask her all the important questions, she's going to help me, you, and the rest of the human race to have some clear thoughts, improve our memory, and know what's best to do for our brain health. I like nonsense. It wakes up the brain cells. That was said by Dr. Seuss. Well, my guest this week is the furthest from nonsense that you can get. She's not only one smart lady who's been working in the field of health as long as I have actually. However, her accomplishments have helped shape what she does. And now the patients she helps from serious issues like concussion, trauma, and anything else to do with the brain are far, spread far, far and wide. I can certainly attest to her absolute brilliance from hearing stories about her patients from conferences that we've attended together. And she's also in the pool of brilliance along with Dr. B or Dr. Brockenshire, who we've had talking about the immunity and then also about the journey of alcohol through your body. And oh, I just love learning from these people. Dr. Paula Rochelle is someone you want in your corner with anything brain related. I'm going to let her share with you a lot more about herself, but to say that she's a board certified naturopathic doctor by the American Naturopathic Association and that she's one of 10 that currently holds that board certification in naturopathic endocrinology only scratches the surface of her brilliance. So hang on tight. This is going to be a ride of the brain that you've never experienced before. 
Thank you so much for, for coming on the Eat This With Leanne podcast. Dr. Paula Rochelle is here. Actually, she's not here. She's in Oklahoma. And uh, let's just start with, just tell us a little bit about the work that you do. I know it's extremely extensive because you are one very smart cookie. But uh, just for everybody who's listening, just to get a little bit, to know you a little bit more, tell us about the, the work that you do as a naturopathic doctor. Wonderful. Well, I've been I've been a naturopathic doctor since 1999, so I've done a lot of things over the years. But over the last year, a uh, few years, we've actually focused on doing a lot of work with the brain. Back in 2006, um, I crashed an airplane, and Did you? I, I walked away from it, and wow. um, never spent a night in the hospital. And I have a frontal lobe injury. I'm actually indented into the frontal lobe of my brain. And never once did anyone in the medical community mention that I might have a concussion. So, uh, you know, I was smart enough to know that perhaps there was a little bit of an issue there. So it was really um, learning about my own journey and making sure that 20 years down the road, I could still communicate with the rest of the world. I yeah. knew that I had neurons that would take the place of the injured ones. So as I've gone through my journey, we've added different components into the practice. Um, of course, you know, I do all of the standard things. You know, we, we do lab tests. Um, you know, I use EAV as a tool, which has been phenomenal for me. And um, you know, it allows me to see inside the blood-brain barrier, um, right. which is really, really cool. I spent three years doing research on neurotransmitters in the brain with neuroscience laboratories, which is kind of a think tank of, of uh, research. So um, they taught me a lot. And then I had a German mentor who um, very shortly after my accident said, may I do some cranial sacral work on you? And I said, oh, no, no, I still have inflammation. I'm not sure. And he finally convinced me to um, do that. And it was the most amazing thing. So I said, I need to learn more about that. So he added cranial sacral into the practice. And then um, on my journey, I encountered a lovely, lovely lady um, who did brain mapping and neurofeedback. And Ooh. I said, oh, my God. Gosh, uh, her brain maps were two thousand dollars, and you know. And then I went, okay, how else am I going to get fixed? So um, I, I laid down my money. Uh, fortunately, now those same brain maps are two hundred and fifty. We don't have to hand uh. artifact them and take out every eye blink. Right. But what that does is allows us to look at the brain, the speeds of the brain, and um, tell us what's slowed, what's moving too fast, um, and, and correct it through neurofeedback. So we added neurofeedback. And wow. I said, uh, oh my gosh, I have all of these tools that I have people who come in and they're in pain or, you know, sometimes we just can't get there. I have a young man in my practice who was, um, who was actually run over and he was having difficulty swallowing and I'm like, okay, I can have him gargle. I can have him do lots of things to improve that. But I'm just not getting there. So I said, you know, I need acupuncture. So we added acupuncture to the <laughs> My goodness. We just keep adding. And, um, you know, not everyone needs everything. Yeah. But it's amazing how it's a process. And when they all fit together, yeah. some amazing things happen to people. 
Oh, that is just tremendous. Okay, listeners, I did tell you she was a smart cookie, and I think she's just proven that to proven that to all of us that Dr. Paula knows what she's doing. Okay, so let's make this. Um, you know, with all of those things, of course, people. I'll, I'll give you all the show no- in the show notes. I'll give you all the information to reach out to Dr. Paula if you feel the need. But for today, we're going to keep it maybe a little more simple than after crashing an airplane. And were you were you the pilot of the airplane? I was. I lost an engine. As a student pilot, I do not recommend it. <laughs> that does not sound like a good, no, absolutely not. Okay, so let's um, let's just kind of do a, another bird's eye view um, of sort of for overall brain health. Um, for kind of most of us that maybe have or have not suffered too much concussion or trauma. I know there are a lot of people out there that that have, and perhaps specifically they can reach out to you to deal with their concussion and deal with their trauma, but just for overall brain health, what are your top recommendations? Well, I have a few, and they change from time to time. There are some standards, but of course, the omegas, um, that goes without saying. I can't imagine that all your listeners aren't currently using omegas to reduce inflammation. So, um, and just overall brain health. Um, Probably right now, one of my number one supplements, um, or or just, you know, we can do this dietarily as well, um, is curcumin, turmeric. Um, It's anti-inflammatory. And the thing I like about it, I actually use a liposomal uh, curcumin that we formulated that crosses the blood-brain barrier. Normally, unless you have a leaky blood-brain barrier, turmeric won't get um, where it really needs to go for the brain. Okay. So um, I found that the liposomal crosses that really nicely. And there's only about three or four substances that do that well when we're talking about neuroinflammation. Um, Butyrate, glutamine, resveratrol, those kinds of things. Okay. Um, now I'm just going to stop you there for a second because I think there a bunch of listeners have gone, urch, uh, blood-brain barrier. What is the blood-brain barrier and why do things need to cross it? I see. Well, um, the blood-brain barrier is a membrane that is protective. It's, it's what protects the vital pieces of our brain inside and it helps to eliminate toxins um, if it's intact. Um, We only want certain nutrients to go through there. I actually did some research looking at what nutrients, what supplements cross the blood-brain barrier and get into the brain. So it's this protective um, layer that um, helps protect the vital organs of the brain. So, Okay. And what is something that we don't want to cross the blood-brain barrier? What is it that's, uh, that's oh. detri- detrimental, for instance? Well, I think it's, you know, we don't want toxins to cross that. And uh, the number one thing that comes to mind for me, um, of course, is vaccinations. And um, you know, at about 48 hours, we're given a hepatitis B vaccination. And sometimes we can actually see that on the brain map where um, the um, there's, there's what we call a little man in the brain. He's called the homunculus. And it's a correlation between parts of the body and locations of the brain that correlate with your leg, your arm, whatever the case may be. And we've been able to actually look at injection sites and see a slowing area in the brain. Well, when you're born, the blood-brain barrier is not closed. So many times, 
um, the byproducts of those vaccinations can actually get into the brain and create inflammation. Mm -hmm. And what we're really trying to do with things like curcumin is to reduce that inflammation in the brain. I believe we all have inflammation for a variety of reasons if we live on this planet Earth. Yes. So, you know, we, we have to look at that realistically, I think. And curcumin is yes. one of my go-tos. That's amazing. So a second go-to that um, I personally don't want to be without is glutathione. And mm. um, glutathione is basically a combination of amino acids um, that protects us from um, oxidative damage. It protects us from rusting. And um, it helps to eliminate toxins. So one of the big buzzwords right now is methylation. Um, right. It's everywhere. And that's basically the ability to break down B vitamins into a usable form. Mm -hmm. And also to detoxify from medications, from chemicals, from herbicides and pesticides. And glutathione helps to do that. Glutathione is protective of the liver, but it's also protective of the brain. In the brain, we have these immune cells. And we think of immunity and staying strong, especially during these times. But the brain has an immune system. They're called microglia, and they become inflamed for many reasons. And glutathione dampens that fire of the inflammation in the brain. So that's probably my second go-to. Okay. Um, my third one right now, I'm so excited about this one. It's been around forever and ever. I've used it in a little bit different form over the last six months. Is CDP choline. And choline I've, never I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. Oh, choline I have, but the CDP I have not. Yes. Well, CDP hits the pathway for, for you and I in a little bit different point. So, um, you know, there's not a – it's choline we look at as being protective for the neurons. and But what we didn't know, or at least I certainly didn't know until about six months ago, is that it helps to impact an enzyme in the brain called PLA2. Now, what the heck is PLA2 and why is it important? Well, number one, it's not well understood, but we know that PLA is inflammatory to the brain. And we also know that adults have more of it than children. So adults mm -hmm. naturally have more PLA2. Yep. We know that this enzyme is involved in the ability to block viruses at the receptor site. Mm, very oh. interesting. And just to clarify, choline is a part of the B vitamin family. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So what happens is this uh, this uh, choline attaches to the receptor site with this enzyme and blocks viruses from being able to enter and use the machinery, if you will, to replicate. Mm. One of my mentors, William Shaw from Great Plains Laboratory, used to work for the CDC, used to study coronaviruses. And this is 
his work, and he says CDP choline helps to block the replication of all coronaviruses. So we have been using it, I've been using it for a long time as the phosphatidylcholine, um, uh. a different form. But we know that PLA2, this enzyme, is elevated in disease states like Alzheimer's and MS and pancreatitis, different types of cancer, depression, even schizophrenia. Wow. So, um, yeah, those are, those are probably my top three. So just to recap, then, there are some things that we want to go across this barrier that's around the brain. And there's one thing that I know that... Um, that what does cross the brain barrier that we feel effects from, of course, is alcohol. It sounds like we want the turmeric from the anti-inflammatory uh, perspective to, to cross it as well, but maybe not all turmerics do. Would that be fair, a sort of fair synopsis yeah. of what you said? Some of them do, some of them don't. We need a liposome, which is a different type, a different form. So listeners, I'll get a recommendation from Dr. Paula, and I'll put that in the show notes if that's piqued your interest as well. Uh, because hearing all these fantastic supplements, I know there are a lot of listeners that will say, oh my gosh, where do I get that from? Glutath glutathione is one that we talked about with Dr. Dr. Brackenshire. So Dr. Paula and I, we have a fantastic relationship, of course, with him. He's one of our colleagues as well that we work, we both work quite closely with too. And he was talking about glutathione in the episode that we did on, on the journey of alcohol through your body. So if you've listened to that episode, then that won't be a, a whole new buzzword for you to, you know, to get your brain around basically. So, uh, so one of the most common complaints that I hear from my clients is this sort of this brain fog that they have going on. So it's a perhaps, you know, not quite in the realm of what you're dealing with with the Alzheimer's patients and, and, and all of that complexity, but this kind of brain fog type thing that people suffer with first thing in the morning, sometimes throughout the day, it's just like your brain's got a cloud surrounding it. Do you have any suggestions or, or ways that, that you can explain, first of all, why it's there, and then what can we do about it? Yes, well, um, brain fog is very common, and one of the reasons that many people have brain fog is because they don't sleep well. Mm. And if they're not getting to REM sleep where they're dreaming and they're able to dream, um, they're not efficiently able to detoxify their brain at night. And what do you detoxify from? Well, all kinds of things that we put in there during the day, neurons that break off naturally. And at night, there's a system, you know, when you get a cold, you have these enlarged lymph nodes sometimes. Yes. Well, the brain has its own system of uh, lymphatic flow. It's called the glymphatic system. And at night, it actually expands at about 40% to help wow. the brain detoxify. So if you're not going to sleep at night and not sleeping well and getting to REM sleep, then um, you wake up in the morning with this brain fog. Mm. So um, that's, that's one of the major reasons that I see for brain fog. There are also other reasons, things like thyroid disorders can actually cause brain fog if your mm -hmm. thyroid is out of balance either too high or too too low yeah. um, and it can actually accelerate brain degeneration so uh, we want to be really careful there's so much involved in thyroid physiology that yes. uh, we could do hours, hours we could I know that's a really complex one with sleep you mentioned about REM sleep and dreaming 
Now, I know that I dream some nights and so, or I'm aware of my dreams the next morning. And sometimes I sure my eyes closed and then they open the next, the next morning. Is recalling your dreams, does that have any relevance to how much you're detoxifying overnight? Well, I certainly believe that, that there is a piece of it that plays a role with whether or not you can remember, because I think that play that defines um, how deep of REM sleep you're actually getting to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, if you're if you're dreaming and you remember, oh, I dreamed, you probably are detoxifying. Um, you know. And how can we help our brain to detoxify if if you know, I know that I'm not recalling all of my dreams. I go through different phases and stages where I do, and then sometimes I don't. Um, so how is it that that myself and our lovely listeners can, is there something that you can do to help your brain to detoxify better? Well, um, of course, I think focusing on sleep is, is one of the things that you can do. Yeah. And a lot of times just adding a little bit of serotonin support at night and I do like to go back. Uh, um, I personally don't use a lot of melatonin. I okay. use a precursor of melatonin um, called phosphatidylserine. Okay. And I find that um, that lowers cortisol. Most of us out there are in fight or flight mm-hmm. or another. Yeah. And so we can't settle enough um, to, to efficiently build melatonin. So I use that serotonin because it lowers the cortisol level and um, is also a precursor in melatonin. So I kind of get a double whammy out of that. Okay, I think you just said said serotonin, and you might have meant phosphatidylserine. Using phosphatidylserine help, helps. Yeah, so that is a supplement, and again, I'll put a I'll put a link and a recommendation from Dr. Paula in the in the show notes. I remember years and years ago, I think when I was still at college, I'd started taking phosphatidylserine, and I don't remember the effects, but I definitely have taken that um, taken that supplement at some point. So. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes we just have to go to supplements, don't we? Because it's just the physiology is, you know, it's it's just not, it's too difficult and takes a really long time to get back into balance. And I can't remember, I can't recall which episode it was, but I talked about the levels of cortisol and abdominal fat. Um, oh, yes, that was two, epi- two episodes ago. And in episode 31, I went into a lot more information about high cortisol and what's that, what that's doing to our bodies and also how to try and balance it through diet. So listeners can go back and listen, um, listen to that. Somewhere between her jeans collection and her sock drawer, this is Eat This with Leanne. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Paula Rochelle, the naturopathic doctor who specializes in brain health. So along the same lines as the brain fog, sleep being the number one, is there a certain amount of sleep that we need to get? Do we need to be in bed, you know, eyes closed, dark room by a certain time to have quality sleep, in your opinion? Well, um, my opinion only, uh, that the research that I've looked at says in order for the body to repair, the minimum, minimum required time for the body to repair itself is four and a half hours. I don't know many people that can do that for a long period of time. No. I prefer, yeah, I prefer six and a half to seven hours sleep okay. um, for most people. And that's um, depending upon their current status of health. That would be a very healthy person. You right. know, older people tend to require a little bit more sleep. Um, I do like the dark room. I, 
I never thought I would have to be asking teenagers if they're turning their cell phones off. Now I ask adults if they turn their cell phones right. off. But the electromagnetic influence of our cell phones does affect our sleep. If you're using um, trackers to track how well you're getting to sleep and staying asleep, I always recommend that you do that for a few weeks, okay? And then take those off because those do have an impact on your brain as well. Mm, Yes, I've taken, I've probably for the past month, I take my iWatch off and just think, okay, I don't need to know anything while I'm sleeping overnight. I just need to sleep sleep. So yes, I totally agree. That's really interesting. So along with the brain fog that uh, so many of us tend to tend to suffer with, then is this sort of along the same thing and challenges to do with focusing um, and being able to concentrate throughout the day? I, I feel like we're all going in so many different directions. It's just a challenge to focus on a good day anyway. But is there any anything that we can be doing to support our brain and, and how it functions to get us to focus a, a little easier? Yeah, I, I think so. Focus actually comes predominantly from the frontal lobe of the brain. And this is the area of our brain that's responsible for activities such as handwriting. Have you ever noticed that on some days your handwriting's better than others? Mm-hmm. Well, you can kind of tell how that working based on what your hand uh, handwriting looks like. The other thing that's interesting about that frontal lobe is it doesn't totally mature until the age of 25. So give, give our teenagers and early young adults a little bit of latitude with focus because they really uh, aren't fully developed yet. Okay. So things like, uh, I, I find that with focus, Um, You know, we kind of include memory and focus in there together. But one of the things that I find um, really uh, seems to be a huge, huge uh, issue today is dopamine. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter that makes us, um, it's a reward mechanism. It tells us, oh, wow, I accomplished that. I really feel good about that. I'm motivated. Um, you know, I, I get, I, I feel, I feel great about what I've, what I've done today. So dopamine is the, it's like the, it's the feel good neurotransmitter. Is that right? Yes, that's, that's true. And we know that there are some symptoms of low dopamine. Um, Women who have low dopamine levels many times will have really heavy periods. Mm. Um, Men will have a low libido, even erectile dysfunction and, and inability to gain muscle mass. So um, those are just some things to look for to say, well, I might have low dopamine. We find that uh, substances such as herbicides and pesticides, especially the glyphosate that everybody talks about today in Roundup, along with the 2,4-D that's in Roundup, inhibits an enzyme that allows the body to make dopamine. So it's just like a gate system that says, nope, you can't go there. So we don't really efficiently um, create dopamine for most of us. Um, when, again, that's one of the reasons that I like the curcumin because it does protect the dopamine neurons against um, neurotoxicity, okay. um, which can even be caused by leaky gut, which I'm sure you have addressed in the past. So um, I, 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 love, I love adding just a little bit of tyrosine into um, the diet. Um, okay. This can be done you know, by enhancing your intake of turkey, beef, eggs, legumes. 
Um, and we know that when we take those foods in, that it actually helps to promote deep thinking and improves our memory. So um, it's, it's a wonderful uh, thing to do. Tyrosine actually plays a huge role in the production of dopamine. Oh, I love that. And that was perfect segue into my next question about, about just that, you know, the mem- memory. And I don't, I, I will say, you know, as a 49-year-old woman, that, that there are some things that I can't quite reach anymore in my brain. You know, there's things that I need to do, and then all of a sudden, poof, it's completely gone from my thoughts, and some days I don't even recall it at all. You know, sometimes you can't find the words, where to, you know, what was I going to do, who was I talking to, you know, and some days I just completely feel like I'm losing it. And like I said off the top, it's, you know, the five paces from the counter to the, to the fridge some days, you think, Oh, why am, why am I here? Or, you know, I'm probably so distracted that I'm putting the butter back in, you know, I'm putting it in the dishwasher instead of putting it in the fridge. So, so that, that sort of that, that memory, or I don't know, maybe it's overwhelm or I don't know, I'm going to let you talk now because there's so many things I could say about this. Yes, I'm sure. Well, uh, the type of memory issues that you are describing are consistent with um, having lower acetylcholine in the brain. So acetylcholine is actually the neurotransmitter that helps with the conversion of short-term memory into long-term memory, which occurs in an area of the brain that we call the hippocampus. And um, the hippocampus is sometimes tied in for some people with traumatic memory. So you're going to find that people who have had trauma will have more issues um, uh, with memory than those people who have not had. But um, people who have impaired acetylcholine sometimes forget words, they have difficulty sometimes with verbal memory, they may forget where they are in the middle of a conversation. Um, And probably the number one thing that I see um, that defines with me if I don't have lots of trauma uh, is spatial memory. And if you have difficulty knowing, or you get lost easy, or knowing where you are, it's a good bet that maybe you should look at enhancing acetylcholine. Sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between whether or not it's low acetylcholine, though, in Alzheimer's. So try the acetylcholine first. And of course, there are many foods that are rich in acetylcholine, and they include things like egg yolks and nuts, cheese, milk, as long as it has a little bit of fat in it. Um, So there there are nice ways to, to go, okay, let me just add these into your diet. If when you do that, you start to experience nausea, you're mm. going to know that you got too much acetylcholine. Interesting. Okay. And would you suggest a supplement as well or just increase those foods? Oh, I absolutely love supplements. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I use, <laughs> yeah, you know, that was the way I learned and then I backed into nutrition. So, okay. Uh, Understood. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it worked for me. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like is B5. Um, ah. It's used in the synthesis of acetylcholine and has actually been shown in studies to increase acetylcholine in the brain. It's an easy, inexpensive supplement yeah. to take. And then a lot of your supplements with Hooperzyne A in it, which comes from club moss, um, decreases the breakdown of acetylcholine so it allows it to last longer and increases the levels of neurotransmitter in your brain. So, um, And what, what was that again? Hoop moss? Or what was the supplement, sorry? Hooperzine, A. Oh, okay. Now, how, how much do hormones play into 
into brain health. You know, if we're talking to the kind of the menopause dude or the menopause, perimenopause woman, which, you know, hands up back here, that's kind of where I am. Well, estrogens increase the sensitivity of a neurotransmitter called serotonin we've already talked about. Okay. 70 to 90% of your serotonin is built in your gut, depending upon who you read, and um, it can, can cause some challenges. But of course, as women go through menopause, um, they also have symptoms of low serotonin. So estrogen and testosterone both uh, impact serotonin receptors. Uh, estrogen can impact acetylcholine receptors. So where progesterone actually impacts um, our predominant inhibitory neurotransmitter called GABA. Mm. Um, but all the neurotransmitter receptors are impacted by hormones. So if you have low estrogen, we know that it increases the inflammation in the brain or right. inflammatory cytokine activity. It lowers um, the body's ability to make its own glutathione. And it also enhances the degradation of the intestinal lining as well as that blood-brain barrier we talked wow. about. It's touching on everything. It's pretty important. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, you, can't, you can't deal with brain physiology without looking at the hormone component. Um, I did my endocrinology um, certification, and then I started working on neurotransmitters, and I realized that in the hierarchy of things, if you deal with your neurotransmitters first, Many times the hormones don't play such a huge role in influence oh. because they're underneath the neurotransmitter in the hierarchy of priority. So you're coming at it from a different a different way rather than trying to balance the hormones. You deal with the neurotransmitters first. That's fascinating. Yes, I have not heard of that before, but but I think there are a lot of people that'll that'll be saying, Ah, oh, how am I supposed to do that now? So we'll all remember, I'll put I'll put doctors Dr. Paula's information in the uh, in the show notes for you. So if you're if this is like you thinking, finally someone has the answer for what I've been dealing with then then this then this could be uh, this could be your thing so and the last thing that I want to talk about of course is food let's bring it all back to food so recommendations of foods to eat or maybe not to eat to to help with your brain health I know I know that you've that you've just talked about some of the herbicides and pesticides the glyphosate which of course is a worry I always think the first thing that pops in my my mind when I think of um, think of glyphosate is oats I love oats and I use them in so many of my recipes that are in my book and and it's tricky because they are quite it's what they've been shown to be really heavily sprayed now so that's uh, one that I think oh gosh do I have to slow down in eating them so I don't eat them as much as I did but they're they're certainly in there and of course it's always organic so um so yeah over to you your top food recommendations oh top food recommendations to stay away from either um, both okay I I, I Number one, I take most people off of the gluten. Okay. Um, um, the reason for that is it elevates histamine um, for most people and yep. makes it difficult to go to sleep. The inhibitory neurotransmitter called GABA 
actually tries to quench that histamine fire. And it's mm. used heavily in the sleep-wake circuitry to go to sleep and stay asleep. So if you're doing lots of things that you're allergic or sensitive to, or that for some reason, if you happen to have a leaky gut, that gluten will elevate the histamine. So there are many reasons for the brain not to do it. Um, I find most people, you know, another larger size protein, of course, is dairy. And right. so I'm, uh, you know, I normally take people, I, I, I'm a believer that um, we should not be eating proteins designed to create an animal 1,500 pounds. We already have an immunity issue. Yes. Uh, so those are some of the things. The other one that many times I eliminate is corn from the diet. Um, okay. I just really haven't seen um, or haven't been convinced at this point that it's glyphosate-free. Okay. So, you know, true low inflammatory um, types of foods, low inflammation diets um, seem to work for many people when it comes to, to neurological and brain issues. Right. So those are the ones to stay away from, the ones yes. to include. Um, obviously, anything that is rich in omega-3s, um, things, you know, your fish, um, uh, salmon is one of my favorites to include with most people's diet. Yeah. Um, and I... I look at, um, and Leon, you may come from a different perspective, but what I've seen is the brain is really sensitive, and we've not talked about this, but okay. the brain is really sensitive to blood sugar um, mm. and blood sugar regulation. If your blood sugar goes low, you're going to have focus and memory problems. Yep. And so I limit most people to two servings of food a day. Um, I just feel like more than that, and then we're we're having some insulin dysregulation. Um, mm -hmm. Most of us, as we age, have insulin issues anyway, and so sure. I've just found that um, uh, two servings of fruit a day seems to work well for most people. Okay, and then you load up all those other colors with the yeah. green, with the greens and the all green. those all those vegetables, things like avocados, and yes, absolutely, yeah. um, and, and just do a good healthy um, healthy mix of things. You know, heavy on the fruits and or heavy on the vegetables. Yeah, uh, light on the meat. Okay, and um, there are different people who believe different things. Um, in working with uh, neuroscience, one of the things I've learned is that all of your neurotransmitters, all of your muscles require amino acids in order to function properly. And so, if you're not doing meat, then I think it's difficult. I'm not saying impossible, but I do believe that it's difficult to get a full complement of the amino acids that you need. So, you may need to supplement if you choose that. Okay, and things like if you are a little bit more plant-based and you're not eating, uh, you're not eating meat, then load up on the fish. Have your eggs. Would you say that? Yes, most definitely. Okay, yeah, ease up on the dairy if not get rid of it altogether. Yes. Uh, have a trial away from gluten. Um, absolutely, I think that's absolutely fascinating how it has an impact on your sleep. And that, that's just cir circling it back and bringing it back to sleep. Because normally you would tend to think that the gluten is more about the gut and the bloating and constipation. But yeah, I've not put it together with sleep. So thank you for tying that one together. 
Well, there is so much that you've shared with us here. Thank you so much for, for, for all of this. And listeners, if you've got a whole bunch of questions after that, then like I said, I will in the show notes put all of Dr. Paula's information of how you can, um, how you can reach out to her. Is it best to get to, you, to your clinic through the website, Dr. Paula? Yes. Yes. Okay. That would be the best way to reach us. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you're doing, you do no matter where anybody happens to be, you do long distance um, consulting as well? Yes. We have a telemedicine network up. I just did a telemedicine um, um, meeting um, yep. to a young woman in Malaysia. So uh, we work all over the world. Wow. So it's fascinating. It truly is fascinating. It's fascinating to see what other people's brains in other countries get exposed to that we do not here in the United States. So, yes. Wow. I can only imagine. So, yay, the rest of the world that we get, we get access to you, even though you're, you know, you're in the U.S. And, and there's a lot of Canadian, Canadian listeners I know as well. So, uh, so certainly during this time of, of COVID, then, then I think somehow the world has got bigger and somehow the world has got smaller in terms of how we can, how we can connect with each other. So I'm, so pleased that um that you've got all of that going on so thank you so much for coming on uh eat this with leanne today dr paula and uh perhaps we'll have you on again and talk about all sorts of other things to do with the brain thank you leanne i appreciate the opportunity anytime thank you Thank you, Dr. Paula, for your absolute brilliance. She did an excellent job of touring us around the brain and all the areas that impact our memory, the brain fog that so many of us suffer, and also just overall brain health. She shared a lot about dopamine, serotonin, tyrosine, phosphatidylserine, turmeric or curcumin, and really supporting the brain with supplements. She said how that's where she actually first learned how to support the brain before she even got into food. So you'll find many more suggestions of all of the all of the supplements that she talked about on leannephillipson.com. So don't worry if some of that kind of just went right over your head. Just head over there and you'll find out more specifics that maybe you can take and even try. So to bring it back to your diet, about what to eat, about, um, you know, Dr. Paula, she talked about blood sugar balance, keeping fruit consumption low. And I'm going to hazard a guess that while she didn't really go into too much more other than mentioning the sugar and fruit, I would say that whatever you can do to decrease or even ditch the sugar in your diet, then I think that would be a good thing. And I know that you're probably going to groan at me because, you know, it really sucks that you have to ditch what is what you feel is keeping you going, helping you every single day. And man, those cravings, they're really hard not to listen to. I totally get it. It's hard not to have that glass of wine or whatever your drink is. And while again, Dr. Paula didn't speak to, you know, your booze consumption or whatever drink you're having either. I know that it's also not going to help so much. (laughs) 
So how much you follow what she says or any of the recommendations or this really is good. They're, they're all going to depend on how motivated you are to deal with, whether it's your memory issue, whether you've brain fog and you've just had it, you actually want to have a clear brain throughout the day. And maybe you just are motivated because you want to protect your brain and because there's something in the family or there's a history going on there. Really, it's up to you and it's your choice. But really, I would say that you're not going to know the impact of anything until you at least try it. So to recap on her suggestions specifically to do with food, know that what you eat matters, especially for your brain matter. Mm-mm. Music to my ding, dang, dong ears. What's that called? An alliteration? No, that's not the right thing, but I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute. <laughs> I know. It rhymes, so I would say it's poetic. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go with that. I know following a Mediterranean diet is one that shows in studies and also in brain scans that it really is the best foundational diet to follow. So a Mediterranean diet, if you're not sure, is lots of fish, some lower fat meat, lots and lots of vegetables, some great oils, some nuts, some seeds. Just search Mediterranean diet and you'll find your next meal if that's what you want to do. Foods that may not help your brain, as Dr. Paula talked about, are gluten and dairy. Those are the two that she said she takes out of all of her patients' diet. Um, and I, I do that very commonly as well when I see clients. And it's not always forever. You just got to see what, how it affects you because everybody's a little bit different. So eliminating those two foods for a bit of a time uh, could be really interesting. And don't worry, you're not going to starve. There are million substitutes out there for those these days. Eating protein and more specifically fish to get all those essential fats. She talked a lot about inflammation. So the fats are so important for alleviating that inflammation inflammation and making sure that you get lots of antioxidants along with them, all those colorful greens and purples and reds and the color of the rainbow every single day. So a day for you might look like about three ounces of fish, could include a handful of almonds, you can use olive oil in at will. She talked a lot about eating eggs, those are fantastic. And also if you're following a bit more of a plant-based diet, you can include flax seeds and all the nuts and seeds, but know that you need like three times the amount because the fats that are in all of the nuts and seeds are like a third as potent as seafood is. So actually one of the best foods, Chris, for your brain Mm -hmm. is caviar, darling. Caviar, come on. Can we find something more on my economical level? Like there's there, there is there something that is similar to caviar that I could consume? Uh, flax seeds, but you know, there's really no comparison. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those things. Just go eat the salmon, go eat, go okay. eat the tuna, go, go eat the sardines, the not. mackerel, the really oily fish. But I just thought that was funny to throw in there because, you know, I don't even know the last time, maybe sushi sometimes has some caviar on sushi? the outside, those okay. little, those little eggs. So maybe yeah. just choose the next time you go and have some sushi, ask for them to have those little, little eggs on there. It just wouldn't be fair if my kids are eating craft Dinner and I'm over here eating caviar. How's the, oh how, are the no, even. how are the noodles, kids? <laughs> Would you like some caviar? Oh no, wait. None for you, more for me. <laughs> 
you got to you got to bet what 20 25 years on them in terms of what your brain's been through so yeah they can <laughs> oh my god I, I just i just think of the color of craft dinner almost being like 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 fluorescent and as it kind of goes, goes down the hatch them just being like what's radioactive almost yes, just for fun, just for fun we eat our craft dinner in the dark it's just like floating <laughs> bowls of noodles we can't see anything oh else just the just the craft dinner <laughs> Okay, well, that kind of color is not the antioxidants that I'm talking about, oh. just to make sure that I'm really clear. Okay. Repeat, please. Your last message was not clear. The sort of color that I'm talking about, not the fluorescent kind from the, <laughs> KD, from the KD, but, you know, those antioxidants that I talk the blueberries, the raspberries, right. the strawberries, all the purples and greens and all of that, and okay. all of those antioxidants, you know, I talk about this a lot. Right. All the color. Eat a rainbow every single day. Right. And if you can't do that, I mean, you know, I'm the nutritionist and I take my my kid boost or also I've called it skin boost every single day because it's my best friend on the superfood front. Because some days I just can't get it all in. Now, when you pair that with my uh, take this omega boost, then you've got yourself quite well covered. If you just happen to have a day where you're not getting in those nuts and seeds, you're not getting in those vegetables as much as you would like to. So something else, if you want to start right this second, if you just think, I don't have a note, notepad and paper to write down all the things that have been said in this, but I want to do something right now. Go and drink a glass of warm water, oh. not cold. Oh, I knew you were going to say water. I didn't think you were going with warm. warm. <laughs> Why? What's, what's with the warm water? The warm water is best for hydrating. Because what happens is it's vasodilating, so it opens up your cells, kind of makes your brain pop. Cold water is a constrictor and has the opposite effect. So think about when you jump into a cold lake or a cold swimming pool. What right. do you do? It takes your, takes your breath away. When you slide into the hot tub or into the nice warm pool, your body goes, oh. ah, I would like some wine. Oh, yeah. no, no, wait. That's not what you were saying. That's not where you were Hang going. Hang on. <laughs> That was the other episode. Come back. Come back. We're still talking about the brain. Okay, so you slide into the into the warm water and into the warm water. Now your brain is 80% water. And right. even a two per 2% loss of hydration can produce neurological symptoms that can look like fatigue, confusion, maybe even memory lapse, difficulty in concentration, and smaller attention span or even a lack of focus. Sounds like my entire elementary career. <laughs> I didn't need to go down to the office and spend all that time with the principal. All I needed was a stupid glass of warm water. That's right. Yeah. And, and, I, and I would actually say like room temperature water. Oh, so tepid. Right. So okay. like, like my water just always sits on the counter. So it's never really warm or cold, okay. but some people like ice cubes. Some people keep it in the fridge. And then honestly, your stomach is just like, <gasps> like you just jumped in that swimming pool. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So there you have it. Is your brain overloaded with all the good things that you can do for it? And all that goes into those hundred billion neurons while you've been listening to this? Well, I gotta say, mine too. 
I'm going to have to go back and listen. And then I'm going to put the pieces together, not only for myself, but if you feel that you're like, oh, that was a lot of information. Okay, Leanne, come on, do your thing and just put this in a straight line for me. Then reach out and let me know. We'll either do this again. Maybe I'll do a video or I'll do a blog post on it because brain health is crucial, especially as we get older and, you know, none of us are going backwards as Benjamin, was it Benjamin Button that did that, went yes. backwards? Yeah, <laughs> none, none of us are really doing that one, unfortunately. So reach out on social media or through leannephillipson.com or Sprite Right channels as well. Also, you can send, just send an email to info at spriteright.com or PM me and we'll definitely chat. So thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe, share, and rate. And of course, remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. Mm-hmm.